This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. This is episode 22 of series 7 of the sounding board. And I find myself on this particular early Tuesday morning of this week in the South Bank studios here in Hutchie. I look down the computer screen and I have it on good authority. You're in your favourite part of the world. New York City, there's no coincidence in my eyes that it's uh, July 4 over where you are. Welcome. Happy July the 4th, Damo. It's been actually my first July 4th, would you believe, for all the years coming through here. I've never been here on the 4th of July, so a fascinating day. I had no concept at all about how big the hot dog eating competition was and <laughs> how the whole nation stops to watch that and how there's a, a, a Tom Brady of the hot dog world. So that was interesting <laughs> insight today. But now here for, here for uh, a week and a bit, Damo, for the investor rounds. We've got a lot of um, investor meetings and, and different uh, meetings for the week and then go past the NBA Summer League next week for a couple of days on the way home with you know the import market still obviously with a bit of work to do in Perth. So go and poke my head in for a, for a peek. How are you, old mate? I'm, I'm well. Now, again, just we like to tell our listeners when it is we are actually speaking. So it's, it's really early Melbourne time, 7 o'clock or thereabouts on the Tuesday of this particular week. You're obviously a day behind on the calendar. So that's why it's the, the July 4 for you. Now, Hutchie, when you say the phrase investor rounds, I hear... Junket, boys trip, party. No, I know you do, but uh, that's that's well and good. It's well, just I, me I know, here I, I know you well, Hutchie. <laughs> it's just me here, and if I were to be honest with you, Damo, I've never had a fuller diary in my life. I've got wall-to-wall all day in the US time, and then wall-to-wall all night in Australia, you being the first of them tonight. So uh, it is around the clock. And Hutchie, let's start the conversation for Mosh, man's online health platform, making health easy. I did manage to get a day and a half off on the weekend. I want to tell you... Um, this makes me laugh anyway. I'm not sure it'll make anyone else laugh. But have you ever heard of the Winklevoss twins, Damo? I reckon I have, but I couldn't tell you why. The the, the phrase, the name rings a bell, but I, I'm not going to know why you're going to tell me it does. The Winklevoss twins were made famous in the movie The Social Network, who brought to life their role in the Facebook launch. They were the original founders of Facebook. Okay. The Harvard graduates who Mark Zuckerberg allegedly had the you know had the fallout with and took their IP and idea, and they settled out of court on a big you know multi million hundred million two hundred million dollar deal hundreds of millions of dollars in Facebook stock after the dispute on who actually started Facebook. They then went on and rode in the Olympics, these guys, and then they're among the original founders of crypto. So they okay. they were the, the first in, obviously, the crypto market's been smashed open, so they're among those that have been hit a little bit. But they've, they're one of the rare people in life, Damo, who've gone to Olympics, been multi-billionaires in two sectors, first in Facebook, and then as arguably one of the greatest pioneers in uh, in crypto and, and worth billions and billions of dollars and famous entrepreneurs in the United States, like as famous as it gets. Last night, Damo, in a town called Amagansett, which is in the Hamptons, where our great mate Brad Blanks lives, Blanky. where I've been visiting for 12, 13 years. Yeah. Beautiful town, beautiful small town, sort of town you love, by the beach in the heart of the Hamptons, just a small town, five restaurants, one pub. There's a pub, famous pub called the Talk House, which is the only pub in town. Uh, they have music, live music on on special occasions. And last night, the word went around in the in Hamigansett <laughs> yeah. that the Winklevoss twins were going to be the warm-up band <laughs> on the Sunday night <laughs> at the Talk House. So we descended upon the Talk House. You needed to know a bloke who knows a bloke to get you in, and we yeah. found our way through that scenario. And you're good get at to that. the front door. <laughs> 
Is it, I'm talking to a man who once got himself onto the ground as the Lombardi trophy was being presented <laughs> to the New England Patriots, but keep moving, Hutchie. <laughs> so there's an 11 a.m. main act cover band, Hello to Brooklyn, and there's a 9 a.m. warm-up band, the Winklevoss Twins. Hello to Brooklyn. And so, <laughs> so I arrive at the front door, and old mate Grumpy on the door, you know, there's always on every pub door, there's a guy that, He's grumpy and barely speaks. He's sitting down. He's got the big bushy beard. And out of nowhere, I haven't heard him speak in the eight times before I've been there. He leans over and he goes, oh, good luck with this band. They're shocking. <laughs> <laughs> and awesome. I walked in and the Winklevoss twins were playing 20 cover songs as the act on stage in the warm-up. And I don't like to say this because my path might cross them in the future. It was as bad a cover band as I've ever seen. And I don't reckon anyone tells billionaires honest feedback on their performance. Because there was this little crew to the side of the stage who were clearly all the people they've small cap invested in and, you know, oh, yeah, money yeah. in this business and money in that. And, and the guy's you know, got a share of the talk house has probably also uh, allowed them to come in without <laughs> needing to be screened. So. <laughs> yeah. was, they got a chopper in and parked it in oh. the back paddock. They came in, they had the best equipment. So, you know, cover bands normally got no, they had like wads of equipment, like the drummer's <laughs> set was worth more than the pub. Oh. <laughs> the, the, the guitar work was guitar set, but they were hopeless. I am going to Google them, Hutchie, once we finish this show today, because I'm clearly not up to speed with what I need to know about them, but um, I, I will Google them after this to, to be fully up to speed. And their investor community, Domo, cheered and clapped along. Oh, of course and the rest they did. Of the pub <laughs> rolled its eyes. There was two yeah. crews. There was the those that are on the hook. <laughs> you guys are amazing. And there's the rest of the pub going, oh, block your ears. There's like dogs running down the street. It was just, it was out of control. And they came back and did an encore. And he, I, I quote, I quote, he walked back on going, we've heard you. Get off. We've heard you. Get off. We've heard you yeah. as in, we wanted you back on, back on. They came back on. And then what they, 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 what uh, were they singing? 20 minutes to get their equipment out. Just give us oh, a couple of songs. Sit list. I had a feeling you'd ask me this. They did a bit. They did Mr. Brightside. Oh, well. They did. <laughs> You Don't would have sung that. Believing. You would have sung to that. Damo, you could not. There's some songs you just can't ruin. They ruined. I've seen most you ruin. Songs that are unruinable. I've seen you ruin Mr. Brightside, Hutchie, at a few karaoke's. Don't stop believing, Mr. Brightside. Um, anywhere you want it, that song. Um, <laughs> anyway, it, it was. Uh, well, it was while you're there, Damo. have you managed to get to your your favourite cover band in the in New York City? That being, uh, I forget the name of the band. You've you've dragged me along about ten times over the journey. Favourite cover band was Jesse's Girl, but they've obviously had the split uh, with Rubik's Cube, and there's now two tribute '80s bands. The guitarist went off to Rubik's Cube, <laughs> and they play at the same place, by the way, out in the Hamptons, but not yeah. only occasionally. So I've missed them a strip. Anyway, um, what hey, I've learned out of this, my hey, moral of the story is. How many times do you reckon the billionaire twins said to them to their inner circle, "Be, be honest with us. Do you, you reckon we're any good? Be, be honest." Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. You guys, you've got chemistry. You've got it. You've nailed it. It was awkward, Damo. It was awkward. How's uh, Blanksy? He's in tremendous form and uh, going well. His own career, obviously, on CBS FM and on he's on the Channel Nine Network now. He, he is. You see him on Sundays on the yep. on the on Sports Sunday, so he's he's going very well. Hey, I've got a question on journalism before we get into the events of the week, Damon. Mm-hmm. A question for you on journalism. Um, how often in your career did you write a story that's never going to happen, but you knew it would get oxygen <laughs> because you had someone saying it might happen? 
Yeah. And it generated clicks or buzz? Uh, it's a great question. I, I would have done that many a time, Hutchie. Um, look, nothing's jumping off the page, but that's what you did. If you got if you got someone on record saying something, you could ultimately wash your hands of the outcome of it. So, yeah, yeah. you say it's not me. It's yeah. Like, well, I wouldn't. You know, I don't do it now. I mean, we, we discuss this regularly because you, to me, you work backwards from where it goes, and if it's not going to happen, there's no. There's actually no point doing it. I reckon when it's all said and done. I mean, that, that doesn't say say you don't do it, and I won't do it again. But as a rule, I, w- I wouldn't do it um, unless it just was compelling enough to do so. So, what are you referring to? Well, we see it, see it quite a bit, and in our day, of course, it was things like the grand, you know, the grand final, the night grand final, Good Friday before it became a thing every year. It could happen, you know. There was a lot of things that you knew just weren't going to happen, but you had someone saying it could happen, so you wrote it. I saw a great example on the weekend in the West Australian media. Um, Prince William and 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 Kate have been invited at the end of the month to attend the. International soccer games in Perth between Manchester United and um, Aston Villa. Yeah, okay. And Mark McGowan, Mark McGowan provided a copy of the letter inviting them to Perth in three weeks to watch their beloved football team play in a friendly out of the country when they could go and watch them two minutes from their house. But they've been invited to play. They've been invited to watch them in a friendly in Perth. And it was covered nationally, not just in WA. Well, I, I haven't seen and Kate, I'm not aware of it. Prince, Prince William and Kate could be in Australia at the end of the month, Damo. Mark <laughs> McGowan has written oh, oh, to the Prince. The public can't fall for that, can they? Now, that that happens so much, Damo, doesn't it? How often does that happen where oh, people will write? Regularly. But but I think the public has, educa- has become quite educated in how it works. I, I don't think there's too many blind sightings of of the public by the media these days. Um, this is one of the platforms in WA I'm reading from, Perth now. Everyone covered it, by the way. But the um, Perth's International Festival Football, which would be great, by the way. I'm not uh, here to doubt that. Um, they've written to Clarence House in London to invite the future king and his young family down to watch his beloved Aston Villa take on Manchester United. McGowan, our official invitation to the Royals on behalf of the people of West Australia sends a powerful message to the world. We are open, open for visitors, <laughs> open for workers, open for major events. His Highness isn't just the president of the Football Association. He's a keen Aston Villa fan. So what better way? Now, Damo, what odds do you think yeah. Prince William is in two weeks from now? Because obviously they don't, their diaries don't work very far out. They've got like two, three weeks notice on things. Oh, we've just got an invite to Australia. We've got nothing on in a fortnight. We haven't haven't filled the diary until 2027 <laughs> like every other Royal member. We'll just ping down. <laughs> Here, we'll bring the uh, Netflix documentary <laughs> makers with us to uh, another chapter <laughs> to the story. <laughs> hey, Hachi, um, got some feedback for, to last week's show relating to the conversation we had late in the program about stakeouts. We just went off on a tangent as we often do, and you uh, you started telling your wall stories, which I, I love when it comes to the old stakeout. And I got some correspondence by a man by the name of Will Carter, and I'm, I'm, I've been able to give his name, Hutchie. This is all allowed to be uh, made public. Um, telling us that he listened to it, and he remembers Hutchie. Now, Will Carter, Hutchie, running large chunks of AFL uh, um, business these days. Uh, I remember Hutchie asking me to position outside ESP office on Swan Street all day waiting for Ross Lyon when he was leaving the Saints. He walked across the road at 6pm and stood behind my car talking to his wife. If only I had the guts to put the window down and start filming, we could have had the biggest story of the year. That was a long day. Hope you're all well.
Um, now, again, he's given me permission to actually Will. put that out publicly and to raise this with you uh, today. I do recall you, you were still on the, probably the last legs of your journalistic um, full-time life, weren't you? You were you were still staking out and you had this mail that Ross Lyon um, was, was in a dispute with St Kilda. This is before it became completely public that the Fremantle Dockers were the ones that were already offering him their job. But... You're all over that. And uh, Will Carter's now uh, revealed his involvement in what would have been Will. a big story. I know Will's gone on to have a very big career himself. I think I saw him at Go Dolphin recently as one of his recent jobs. He's gone to become a very leading figure. But, Will, that's disappointing to hear that you had the – you that's the first time I've heard that, Damo. I oh, really? expected the up front. <laughs> I dropped the ball here. Yeah. And to hear, to hear that now – What did he say to you at the time? Cut, well, he clearly didn't tell me the truth, did he? So, so he didn't see him. Well, and that's what... Just to finish that off... Is, that, I, by the way, no one, no one ever fesses up when they miss the person, do they? Well, they do now. No I, I've, I've admired Will for doing it. Because I, I said, that's a great story. Can I please use this next week? And he said, yeah, for sure. I'm trying to find the photo, but I've gone through a few phones since. I remember Hutchie was rolling around between ESP, the Nettlefold um, business, being the CEO at the time, St Kilda, yep. and it was a police chase when I saw Ross. Very funny when I think back. But, yeah, you, you can't – again, I'm not, not surprised Will didn't admit to missing that at the time. But I love the fact he's come clean 10 years later. Well, he's come clean. I think the statute of doorstop limitations has expired after seven years, so you can come clean and you can't be held accountable for missing the yarn. Will, <laughs> disappointing, though, having said that. Yeah. If, if you're not a <laughs> doorstopper by, by heart, Hutchie, it's not something you can ever develop. I, I As you know, as we said last week, I, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. I did it, and I'll do I it again that, probably, but I hated it. By the way, I remember that particular story. Michael Nenefold was the CEO of St Kilda. They'd moved into the new Seaford, the famous Seaford head office. That's right. And it was only pretty new Seaford, and he was in his office, which was the corner office. It was after hours, and the lights were on in his office yeah. and nowhere else. So it made it a beautiful shot to shoot through the window of him on the phone, like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? And he's like, you can clearly see he's dealing with a bit of stress, and I'm shooting it through the window. <laughs> and he couldn't work out how to get the lights off because the building was new. So he's trying to get people to help him turn the lights off. And the, the more he tried, everything else went off except for his office. And it was just like he almost lit it up like it was – Made specifically for the doorstop. <laughs> I think you'll find that on YouTube if you ever looked at Vision. It's quite for a stakeout king like yourself. That, that would have been manna from heaven. That that's uh, that scene for you. It was uh, it was something else, Damien. It, it really was. Um, we're talking Hutchie Tuesday morning, uh, Melbourne time, as I said before, and that's relevant because overnight Nick Kyrgios has won through to the last eight at Wimbledon. Bit of uh, narrative as can happen in certain sections of the media. Um, did Channel Nine do the right thing or, or, or not uh, by moving off the broadcast game at the point in time when the Curious game started? Now Alex Dimonor at that stage was two sets deep into a third set, serving or, or playing for that match in that particular stage. They just cut Hutchie to go to the uh, the first set of uh, of Nick Kyrgios, which went five sets. Kyrgios won. Dimonor lost. But again, the way some media wanted to position this was that uh, Channel 9 had snubbed Alex Dimonor. Hutchie, before I get your view on this, there was only one decision for that person in charge of the nine coverage at that point in time to make, and that was the one they took, Hutchie. You had to go to the Nick Curios game. 1,000% you did, Damo. Yeah. The, the rights to these things are expensive. The ability to get a return on investment is low, and there is... Um, something voyeuristic and not altogether, um, you know, warm about 
the curious juggernaut and the people who are wanting to watch him and experience his press conferences. But I challenge anyone to say that they're not feeding off the clips of his presses and all of those things at the moment who are sports fans. And 100%, he's the, he's the show on legs at the moment, Damon. They had yeah. to go straight there. No disrespect to the demon, but that had to happen. And that's a lot of the network, Damo. Well, and, and no surprise. Again, th- this will go away because um, Diminor lost and, and, and Curious won. So we'll move on as we do in media. But there's no surprise that it's the News Limited um, group that was trying to make it a thing. And obviously there's an issue there with, with oh, Channel 9. No, no, go. but Hachi, let, let's let's call it for what it is. I mean, you, you've got to go. Pe- people don't realise that, that that is the only decision, that that, that whatever network, remove nine from it. The only decision from a freeware perspective, the moment that decision has to be made was the one they did. Make yeah, it would have been it would have been an outrage from a TV sense to not make that decision, and I can't believe anyone wants to ramp this up as an angle. Do you think that the the the, the curious clickbait is a part of it? Like it just he's just very clickbaitable, and when you put a TV network and drama or something into the story, people do 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 snack on it. So it would have been a uh, people are scared to attempt. talk about this, Hutchie, but but. There's nothing wrong to say that it's okay. I like to watch anything to do with Nick Kyrgios with a tennis racket in his hand. I, I couldn't care for what he does privately. I don't. I don't click on that stuff. But if he's playing in a tournament and he's now through the last eight of the most famous tennis tournament in the world, it's it's eight years after he last reached that stage. By the way, Hutchie, and that is is part of his storyline. What has happened to him as a tennis player within that eight years? He's just a wasted talent. But I defy anyone, and and people get nervous talking about saying. Yeah, I watch it, and yeah, I want him to win. I want him to win. I, I don't. I don't ever look at him thinking that he represents Australia because he doesn't care for that either. But he doesn't need to, does he? I mean, he's an individual. People forget that unless you're playing Davis Cup, and no one cares about Davis Cup anymore. You, you are representing yourself when it comes to a tennis career, and he owes nothing to Australians. But I find him as compelling viewing as any sports person in the world for some time. Yep, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You can't. You can't condone what he does, but you can't turn away either. Mm. It's it's fascinating. It's and you're right. It does. It is a bit jarring. Like you read it. I read it in the New York Post this morning, the reaction to it, and you do feel a bit like, I don't know. We, we do feel a bit weirdly defensive of our country when we're overseas. Well, in actual fact, we shouldn't. He's just one of 25 million people, right? And so, what are you reading not, there? Because we're not exposed to, to that. But again, th- this is probably written by, with due respect to the byline you're about to maybe read from or refer to, a, a jaded tennis writer who who thinks, you know, <laughs> well, Hutchie, we're jaded football reporters. Let's face it. We we, we admit to that. We we yeah. look at it in that jaded. We've been doing it for a while. Way. I'm sure the tennis beat writers do, Hutchie, and there's some famous ones around the the world. But but they don't necessarily necessarily reflect, I think, the, the viewing market. And Wimbledon itself, Hutchie, that, that's the most conservative um, organisation in world sport. They still force, and I don't have an issue with it, athletes to wear all white, which I, I think if that's their competition they're running and you want to sign up to play our competition, that's what you do. I have no issue with an organisation um, having an edict like that. But when they are prepared to, to put their social media um, platforms full of curios. I think it's a sign that that they they are embracing this 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 person who is so wrong in so many ways. You know the other thing that does flush out curious. What happens in sports? And you saw this in your time covering the Sheffield Shield, of course, as a beat writer. What <laughs> happens in sports in tribal sports is the tennis media 
don't want any other non-tennis media to come into their world ever. There's like a, well, we're the tennis media. And don't anyone come in because we know tennis and they haven't traveled the world and they haven't done crosses from Roland Garros. And don't come in, don't come in. And then you get a moth like Kyrgios, a media moth like Kyrgios. And all of a sudden you've got the front of the paper, the old mate from the TV news. You've got some of the leading the gossip women writers. and men from... Yeah. They yeah. All, and the they reality the TV star writers. Yeah. <laughs> And the tennis media look like they've seen a ghost. Have a look at this, weir. Someone from the ABCs here. That'd be right. This is what this guy's gone and done. He's brought all these people in from outside the media that we don't want to have to see or deal with. This is our sport. This is our racket. This is my patch. We're running a little racket. It's our patch. Tennis journalists, very, most people are very protective of their world. And then they'll ask the question. They'll go in and say, um, Stephanos said that you were bullying. Tell us about that. And then Nick goes on a tangent, and then you can see the tennis journalist going, oh, here we go. Now I'm going to have the front of the paper ringing me, ask me to write a story on this. Yeah. I, I was going to write going to write 15 pars for the back, and now I'm going to have the editor trying to inflame it because he hears it on the 3AW News at 3 o'clock. Yeah. That's just, what happens, Damo. I just want to refer to his, uh, his, his uh, progression with the uh, the down-the-line backhand uh, you know, defence uh, mechanisms, <laughs> and yet, yet, now I'm talking about his love life. <laughs> Had a nice feature going. Had a nice feature plan about his serve volley game, and now they're going to turn it into a pulling story. These guys. <laughs> so, so what was it you you did read about the coverage of Curious leading into this game? I oh, know he he just gets covered here a little bit like he does in Australia. I feel which oh. is these Americans are quite fascinated by him, and um, you know, and they also find him a brat. So he's got a bit of that McEnroe in him that kind of weirdly is weirdly voicey, but he's a media moth, Damo. Yeah. Media moth are the people that draw in those from outside the sector. Yeah. And he's one of those. It's it's a shame, Hutchie, from the sporting perspective that, that this is a talent wasted. I mean, again, I have to be reminded when I just read the reports this morning that he's been to the last eight of Wimbledon way back in 2014 when he beat Nadal through to get there. Now, yeah. I'd actually forgotten that aspect of his game. It just makes you realise he's actually had this talent for his whole career, and yet we're now still an unfulfilled talent. I'll tell you what, though. If he somehow wins a Wimbledon right now, I, people people will have to acknowledge the man, clearly. I mean, clearly. And here's, the, here's the thing. I've been meaning to have this conversation with you for a while. He's a talent wasted, you say. We, he's not ours. That's what I'm saying. It's his talent to waste yeah. or to use as he sees fit. Yeah. Um, we always want people to make the most of their talent as if they owe us something. Yeah. They don't own them. They owe us nothing. No, I agree with that. Nick, in the press conference after the Stefano's um, temp, temper tantrum, uh, when he was asked about why he hasn't been a top 10 player in the world, he goes, I don't think I'll ever probably be a top 10 player in the world because to do that, you need to travel eight months and I just don't want to do that with my life. Yeah. H- how can you argue with that? Yeah. Like, if that's his decision yep. of how he wants to live his life, he doesn't owe you or I something. We might no. say, oh, I can't believe this guy. He could be top five, but or you could just calm the theatrics. But you're entitled to live whatever life you want to live. Absolutely. No, I, I, I'm referring to the wasted talent, and I said that before um, you did, Hutchie, in, in that he owes us nothing, and, and he can do whatever he wants. And, and I, I'm, I'm on for the ride no matter what it is. But I, I just I, – I I'm a sports lover, as you know, and I remember the, the Andre Agassi story where he lost a, a couple of French Opens as a, as a 17 and 18 and a 20-year-old in the US Open. And then he finally gets to Wimbledon, and then in that 92 tournament – um, he finally won one, but he was only 22 when he got there, but he'd already lost three major finals. Um, you talk about McEnroe, and that's probably the biggest comparison with Kyrgios, but he still won seven majors, McEnroe. I mean, Kyrgios yeah. hasn't got – I'm just talking from a sports perspective here. He's got the talent to win at least one by now. But And look, hopefully he does, and hopefully his shoulder doesn't start playing out like it seemed to in the in the most recent win that he, he had. But 
Yeah, it's, it's it's been a ride already. And the fact he's there down to the last eight, he's only got to win three matches from here to, you know, to, to do what his talent has dictated that he, he should have done by now. He transcends the spawn is what he does. He, he he really does. He brings attention to it from outside and, you know, good on him. Hey, Hutchie, Australian cricket team, um, signs of, look, this may be a stretch, but I didn't like what I saw with Steve Smith uh, being run out the other day and then blowing up, you know, old school way at, at, at what appeared to be Usman Kawaja, who was down the, the non-striker's end of a, of a run out that Kawaja said no to and Smith was run out on. It may be a stretch, but I'm just seeing little signs of this Australian team going back to the pre-sandpaper um, gate type of period. And I'll even park that from him. Well, yeah, I've seen it. He's Well, he's One out of form. Out. He's out of form, Steve Smith. There's been body language issues there for a while. Um, let's so move off that side of it, because I can, cl- I can clearly see you're not going to engage in that side of the conversation. But I want to get to what <laughs> is, is clearly um, a bigger problem. And this for the second time the host broadcaster on a, on a free-to-air sense of cricket in this particular country is taking the game's governing body, Cricket Australia, to court in an attempt to get out of its contract. This is staggering. This is part two of this, or stage two, or phase two of this almighty legal action that, that Channel 7 is taking against Cricket Australia. It's it's actually unbelievable that they're prepared or they're, they're seeking to entirely get out of the contract. And they've labelled um, – they've used specific examples of the tone of player that are not up to the two clauses that relate to the big bash in the, in the contract if you to read the – if you to believe the papers uh, – or if you to believe the court uh, lodgings, I should say, not the papers, including the, the famous school teacher who they say was called up to play in the BBL last year, <laughs> albeit right in the middle of the, um, the wave of cases. Yep. When you look at this demo, to look at this objectively – which I'm just going to attempt to do for a minute. And for sake of clarity, we're a rights holder of Cricket Australia and on the radio since, and, and very happy ones. And love cricket, as you know. I'm doing a lot of it at the moment. Clearly, this is not a fit for them. Like, they've taken, at the time, the absolute maximum check off the table from seven. And in order to get that check, they've embedded clauses that in the end, probably unbeknown to them, they haven't been able to live up to. And then they haven't been able to agree on a discount or a, a reset and seven don't want it. And I think they would value the tennis higher if you to believe, the, again, the things you read in the court documents. So it does go to show that at the time, I think the Cricket Australia admin and most of them are gone now, aren't they? I think at the time it was – oh, Nick Hockley's still there. Um, you know, Ben Amapio's gone and, and others who were involved in that dealing at the time. It is a pretty big decision to move away from a partner you've had a, a 40 or 45-year relationship with. Like when you have a – a relationship that long with someone like say nine, there's a lot of trust and a lot of things. Like it's not just the relationships of the people at the time, mm. the legacy and the history and the way you've treated each other over a long period of time. They do, they do mean something so and it's, it's hard to replicate that. And there would be some warning signs in this, I think for the AFL as they look to do work their way through. I was going to get down this path, Hutchie. So, so are you saying you, you take and you deliberately take less as a figure from the broadcaster, knowing that there's a goodwill component to it. Is that the point you're trying to make here? And, and as you then take this conversation into into where the AFL's at? Well, I would think in business, not that I'm any expert, but I don't think people – you're generally looking for the shared value in the room, right, where you're at the right point of what value you're providing to each other and how you're being compensated for it. It's very rare you take the absolute – that people, anyone in business takes the maximum check off the table. And often you go out of your way not to because it's, you know, you want everyone to walk away feeling like they've had 
a good outcome for them. Clearly in this deal, Seven had to pay a cheque that felt uncomfortable day one. And it's very hard to build a relationship on that footing, don't you think? When, when you're forced to defend the size of the cheque mm. and it feels uncomfortable day one, then they're probably, in the end, in hindsight, the easy thing, and they weren't to know that they were going to have so many issues with players. Because one of the weird things about rights deals is you need the person who pays you a lot of money to then go and enhance your product. You're not providing them the product. You're relying on them to market, promote, and enhance it on their platforms. And Channel 10, to their credit, were fantastic marketers of the Big Bash, sensational marketers of the Big Bash. They made it a great product. Now paying twenty million as opposed to the kind of nosebleed cost here, but you, it's a weird thing because you need. That's one of the arguments now with seven in the AFL, right? The, the AFL uh, would be looking at them saying, "Where's your support programming, and what are you doing away from the games to to help us grow our game?" You need you need um, to get a big check. You need a uh, programming and marketing support. And you need kind of an invested partner to help help drive it. And then you need good, great production values. And they're the things that – so it's – yeah, it's – and there's not, the, the scary thing for CA, I think, a little bit, is there's only three of them, right? So when, you, when you're looking to get tension in a, in a rights deal, you need two of seven, nine, or ten at the table to create that tension at yeah. any one time. And yeah. when you've got one that you're at war with, particularly who's your incumbent, it doesn't leave you a lot of – there's not like there's 12 networks bidding. Mm. And you're really going to get your best check – possibility from a mix of free to air and pay where's it where's it going from here without laboring this conversation to too too much longer hush where's it go i mean given that's the second time that they've taken the extreme action of of court action against the game's governing body where's it go look i'm only i'm way on the outside of this i would guess that they're posturing potentially for a you know a a cut price test deal and uh, and to let the big bash loose Right, so I think to, to, on, to, be, to, to let it loose, as in to not cover it. Yeah, no, I think if if you ask seven what the what deal they'd be prepared to do, it would be we'll do the tests on a you know half price or sixty or seventy percent of what we're paying, and we're out of the big bash. And you well, well, that can't else work. I mean, they're, they're they're contractually obliged to cover it. I mean, it, it, there's a as much as I I can see what Channel Seven's doing. There's a buyer. No, aware, be, there's a buyer aware component looking, to what you what you buy, Hutchie, in this space. I mean, they, they needed no, to know that, that the cannibalisation of the Big Bash was going to be a problem, surely. And they also need to know that the Test cricket um, interest levels are, are on the wane. I mean, they they can't pay the money and, and then and then say after the event retrospectively that hey, we're not getting what we paid for. I mean, I, I don't see I don't see anything that's happened, Hutchie, that wasn't on the table. Well, I think. The thing that was on the table is the the star factor of the BBL has not been what it was. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Now, there's been circumstances behind well, it. Well, I'll go you back can't... to you, one, Hutchie. I, I don't think that's the case because the, the Australians didn't play regularly. They didn't play regularly. They don't play at all now, but they didn't play regularly. And clearly they went down a path where they, they didn't want the internationals of the absolute high nature because they couldn't be bothered coming out to Australia for that period of time for the small money comparatively. So... Yeah, that, so, that that fact I mean, that, that so was yeah. always again buy beware. Know that that's the landscape. Well, it was not buy beware. They wrote a they wrote a clause in demo that they said we'll give you the money, but the clause says that you need to, the quality of the player in the BBL is a concern. It, they, you would not have written that clause in if you didn't fear that being a potential outcome. So it wasn't buy beware. It was it was point oh, seven said you need to provide us stars in the BBL if we're going to pay this level and. Mm. I feel for CA because they've had two years of shut borders and 
uh, all of these things. But it's clear. Seven were, okay, we got a deep breath check here, but there's some things we need to do to protect ourselves. So I get their argument. I, I don't think they're, I don't think it's, you know, very uh, becoming how it's all going going down. But on the on the CA side, their challenge is, do they think they can fix the international stars? I think they probably will get better. The draft will hopefully be a shot at that. Uh, can they reconfigure the test schedule to get a bit more domestic, sort of, you know, the Steve Smiths of the world playing? Not the Smiths is going to be a, a huge factor on the performance of a team, but they certainly bring some, you know, particularly the bowlers. And and will they do an extension? Like this, Seven will be looking for a two- or three-year extension here on the tests only. And I reckon the tests are a great TV product, by the way. I think they draw people. You can tell a story through them. I reckon they're great. And the Big Bash, when put together well, is also a great television product, but it has got to reinvent itself. Yeah, it does. And it needs to do it this season. Hachi, are you into Wordle? <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't, I don't uh, play. Um, I don't really understand it. Do you? I, I do. Relatively recently, um, we went and stayed with my mum there for uh, just a, about a week and we got something done to our house. And, and mum introduced me to it about, I don't know, two or three months ago. I, I now do it most days. I won't say every day, but I am in, involved, interested in it. And it, it is it is just it a nice little, it can take between three minutes or one minute and sometimes 20 minutes, but it does, it does get your mind active, Hutchie. The reason I raise it, the reason I raise it is there was a word during the week. So it's a five character word that people have to, to work out what it is and you can work out how to do it yourself uh, off this platform. But the word, the word or word this week, Hutch, E, was Hutch. It was on the, uh, the day I arrived at New York. So it was a good omen because the New York Times own word, all right. So that's, that's a New York Times product. Um, I saw that, I saw the, the line above it was, or the day, was it the day before the line above or is it the line above was butch? So I thought, no, oh, that's not a good sign for me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that might have been the person's um, d- uh, uh, working it out to get right. to the word Hutch, maybe. So, Got it. Yeah. Um, Got it. But I'd, I'd, I'd have to look up what Hutch actually meant. I did get it that particular day, but it wasn't my first choice of that word. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's part of the warming, Hutchie. I think it's part of the Craig Hutchison warming. It's a deliberate piece. Yep. I've, been, I've been warmed by Wordle. Yeah, I think, well, is that a stretch? Well, what's the definition when you, when you look oh, it up? I think it's, it's a cage of sorts, isn't it? It's, a, it's I where rabbits live, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's, a, it's an enclosed <laughs> space upon which small animals or, yeah, rabbits live. So, Damo, I can just see you sitting there in the morning doing your Wordle, complaining about something you read in the Herald Sun at the same time with your coffee. No. I, I've learned because every time you, you think you've got three minutes, because sometimes it does take three minutes, sometimes it takes 90 seconds, but every time you think I've got three minutes, I'll do it, that's the day you're stumped and you're gone and you have to come back to it, Sachi. <laughs> it is addictive. I'll give it that. Hey, um, speaking of Herald Sun, I saw a couple of couple of uh, days in a row of full-page ads um, in the sports section during the week. Did you notice what I'm referring oh, to? Here, here we go. Did here you know, we go. Did you notice that or not? I'm just here wondering. You would have noticed that. What, what are you talking about? Surely the journalist who had an issue with a, a sports bet um, ad being done by someone in the media would, would have noticed that there was a full page ad in his own paper um, facing an article that he he may have written. Wouldn't He, he, would, have, he would have had to have noticed <laughs> that. Go. He's, he's got to stand down. So you have, you, he's got to stand let, down, Hutchie. You're having a go at Robbo about him, his column being on the left and a sports bet ad being on the right. That, that, that is just so, oh, so childish. Hutchie, I'm outraged. I, 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 I am seriously <laughs> outraged. How could how could a newspaper, a media organisation, have an association with a, a gambling company? I'm outraged, Hutchie. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He, uh, in fairness to him, Damo, it wasn't it wasn't on in, in his column. <laughs> well, well, will it be in his column when uh, when News Limited uh, eventually gets to do what it's been trying to do for a number of months, if not years now, and that he's become a, a bookmaker? That, that's when's that going to happen? 
Because that, that, that is in the, oh, in the it, throws because they've already yeah, appointed think, Matt Tripp as, as head of it. And there's no one who knows bookmaking space better than Matt Tripp in this country. I think he's the partner in the venture. I think he, I think Matt has it and his team have a third of it and you have a, a third and it'll launch later in the year from all, all reports. So, so they are going to be yeah, a, a bookmaker, like a, like, a, like like the TAB, like Sportsbet, like Easybet, like Labrokes. Is, is that your take? Yeah, I, I believe it. Well, I believe that's been announced. If it hasn't, I'm sure it yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's been announced. So there, yeah, there's a partnership there where they'll they'll become um, a major shareholder and a wager. That's well known. They run a tender process. What, what do you what do you make of that? Well, look, I th- what do you what do you say to that? I think it's um, they're in this space already, right? With punters.com and Racenet, so they're in, they're in essence doing it anyway, uh, albeit via an affiliate model for other bookies. So, and they've got they've done it previously. Sunbet didn't work in the UK, but they had a go at it there. You know, clearly, Matt's a, a really smart guy and a smart team, and they've got they've got the right man scale now. through, haven't they? Well, they've, they've got, got the right through, man. They've got scale through their media assets, like news and uh, Fox. Fox will be Fox Footy and Foxtel. That'll be the, probably the just the interesting one how they integrate the Foxtel into the model because mm. Foxtel has some sport and racing platforms clearly, which are you know native and regulated. But then there's some family environments in in Foxtel which they'll have to be a little bit more careful about. But yeah, I'm sure it'll end up being. Um, a formidable player because of the um, what they bring to the table, and I think they're very active. It's not just a passive investment; they're going to be very active in it. By the sounds, and how, how will the individual journos go with 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 again with this um, level of involvement in sports wagering? Go, how will they react? You reckon? Oh, yeah, you know, I think they'll be a little less vocal than they've been in the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. At least you gave me something there at the end of all of that. <laughs> yeah. One, yeah, one no, more, one more for my favourite organisation, Hutchie. So we had the uh, the Jeff Brown story oh, during the week, and there was um, I saw it on the on the online. Untold danger by, behind. The, by the way, just on the just before we do the, the Jeff Brown story was a, a good good piece of journalism. Like to find that line from an event six weeks earlier at a time when to go was. Yeah, I thought it was a, it was a it was a really good yarn. Like if someone if I was the editor and someone had presented that to me, I'd have run it run it well in the paper, wouldn't you? Well, well, that was the story. Untold danger behind Browns to goey AFLW joke is 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 a is a um yep. a headline on online, and then and then on the, on the very next story. Opinion: Humorless scolds ruining Australians' larrikin nature, <laughs> and th- and that was a defence yeah. of Jeff Brown. So you you want to you want to you want to cancel him, and then you want to defend him in, in the same on the same homepage <laughs> of the, of the organisation, Archie. Can I can well, I get your take I on mean, that? Do, do you have the right to to attempt to cancel him? And, and I'm, not, I'm not even having an opinion on the story. I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm not saying I would have written it, but I'm not saying it's not a story. But do, do you have the right as an organisation, someone overseeing the, the helicopter view on on what they're presenting? Do you have the right to to attempt to drag him down and then have someone else say, "Oh no, what he said is nothing well, wrong," and everyone who's got a problem with this is 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 woke? But they they, and I say this as a compliment, have been masters of break a story, let outrage run for a day or two, and then get someone among their columnists to say, why is everyone so outraged? Um, and particularly, that play is particular when the person who's the subject of it, they have a relationship with or who's been a client in the past or, you know, they've done business together. Like, that's kind of how they get through those things, right? They <laughs> let everyone have an opinion. Yeah. But the outrage, the outrage just gets – 
gets allowed to run about as long as feels comfortable. And then they go, right, oh, no, here's a column saying, why is everyone so upset about this? And, then, and then the, the point of contact in the building for, for said story will will be playing yep. both sides. They'll be, they'll be taking a call from the person who's aggrieved. They'll then be going to the journal or the part of the paper that, that has actually ramped this issue up into the stratosphere. Yep. And they'll be saying to that group, keep it going, keep it going. Then they'll ring the person back saying, I've told them to back off, won't they? They'll be playing both sides. Yeah, it's a, it's and a that's happened, that. Hutchie. Everyone that, does. That happens every day. Yeah, yeah. It's not particular to the to the organisation you talk about, though. That's, that happens oh, no, in that happens, in that happens in radio. What happened at yep. What happened at other, other – absolutely. And what, what newspapers do is they have a bunch of opinionated col- columnists – and those columnists are like the closers in the baseball that are in the bullpen, Damo. They're just like warming up, ready to come in and take aim and, and issue. And they just let them over there, just throwing a few warm-ups. And they'll walk over the bullpen when just when the game needs to be closed out. And they'll just open up the bullpen. And out will come one of the columnists and they'll say, right, what do you, what, what's the go? Oh, game you over. might find out. You might find this. Is, oh, I'm with you on this. Yeah, I was going to write that anyway. Thanks for the reminder. And then bang. The closers. They come in, in and they close. Oh, the closer. <laughs> <laughs> I know we'll you're saying what he did, in... but that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, I like that referencing, Hutchie. The the closers in the bullpen. Uh, Robbie Williams, <laughs> were you a fan? Uh, playing AFL Grand Final day. Great story. I can't imagine how expensive it was because his asking price has been through the roof, and um, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's. It was aggressive, but he's absolutely worth it. I think he'd be magnificent. Everyone loves Robbie Williams. He says and does things and gets away with it with his cheek that not many people could do. He walks between the raindrops. I think it'll be a fitting farewell for Gil, who loves his music. I think it's a nice nod to the Gadinsky family, given that Matt, the son of the late Michael, who we, you know, we lost, uh, was able to broker the deal. Oh, I think it's great. I think it'll be awesome for Melbourne. And um, I hope that it's, uh, it's a shame it's not at night, but that's, yeah. that's another story. But he'll be he'll be brilliant. These uh, performers at the AFL Grand Final traditionally, Hachi, play at least one private gig, usually on the Friday somewhere, sometimes on the Thursday yes. before the Grand Final. Yes. Uh, they're, they're the gigs you want to get to. I've got no doubt. I've got no doubt. No. You would have already yeah, negotiated 100%. a couple of tickets. I haven't, but I've... I've seeded it out around Have the you? place already to see what's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this will, um, again, traditionally be a, a smaller venue. No one in the public will have any inkling it's going on until it's probably finished. Um, but those in the know, Hutchie, will have exclusive access to the talent. And this obviously is Robbie Williams this yep. year. They'll have access to the um, the, the nice food and, and drink available just before, during, and and, and most likely after as, as well. And there, we, there's usually a cap of about what two or three hundred, maybe on on such an event. It could be less. Yeah, could be. Less. <laughs> Sounds like you've been to a couple, Hutchie. <laughs> well, I famously I have been to a couple, but I missed one. I'm trying to think of the year I missed one where I had an event on, and my mates are still to this day like. Give me a heart. It was the band. Um, the uh, you know, come back to me. The killers? But, uh, oh, it was the Killers. Yeah, yeah. the Killers. The, the Killers night before show. I was um, scrambling to get there on time because yeah. of a commitment I had made to one of our partners, and uh, couldn't couldn't get there on time, and just missed it. And uh, haven't lived it down since. I, this is where this is how boring I become, Hutchie, and how uh, I, I got access to that one and, and chose not to go. I was just too tired yeah. on that day. Yeah, which is a regret. Yeah. It's got to be a regret. You're an you're an early to bed guy these no, days. No, I'm you? not. Well, no, I'm not. I'm, that's that's my problem. I'm still not. But I'm still getting I'm getting up a whole lot earlier. <laughs> hey, Hachi, um, let's head to uh, the question of the week. 
On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. I don't know what to take it today, Hutchie. So therefore, I'll go for the one that uh, says demo to read uh, email for Hutchie nomination from Dan on email. I must admit, I was of the opinion that Hutch, Hutchie had a jaw made of steel early in the week's episode when refusing to complain about the treatment he received through the Perth Wildcats, and only for my review to be changed two minutes later. I think Hutchie has to be up for glass jaw this week after his defensiveness. Uh, that he showed towards being called Josh Frydenberg's mate, especially after all the jibing that he gives Damien for Abbott. There you go, Hutchie. That's from Dan. You got a glass jaw nomination this week, as well as the letter of the week. Fair enough. <laughs> I uh, I didn't realise I was. I didn't mean to sound defensive about that. I absolutely no reason to be defensive about that at all. Actually, so there you go. I'll, I'll jump in on your behalf here, um, Dan. Um, and and actually, I should say this to you too, Hutchie. I, I didn't think I was too hard on you last week. I thought I was actually quite. Um, Soft, actually, in some ways, but I, I got a bit of feedback during the week that I might have gone too hard on you. So sorry if I did. I didn't. I had no intent too, to do too that. hard on the on the on the Perth Wildcats on, on the Perth Wildcats thing. Um, no, no. I, again, I didn't. I didn't a, mean to. I just wanted to get our listers in on the story. Was, but maybe, maybe I might have 10, gone one or two questions too long. Ten percent, ten percent of what I was getting outside the window. So that's all right. No problem. <laughs> I, I I was amused when you were papped though, because it was a, it was the first papping that that I was aware of anyway since the famous or infamous. Last night of hosting the the uh, Thursday footy show all those years ago, <laughs> and I just love the fact you were papped again, Hutchie, in, in, in the street here in Melbourne. I, I, I love that. I love that as part of that coverage of the uh, West Australian hey, and, and you. Hey, just a quick one from Luke too, which was the runner-up question. He gave us a hard time for not mentioning Eddie versus Neil Mitchell last week, and asked us if we thought it was genuine. Um, Damo, the. the dispute what's your take on that um i didn't listen back to it like, like i probably would have in order to answer the question properly but i, I did read the media reports out of it um it, it seemed very personal didn't it on, on what you read now i know they're both performers particularly eddie when it comes to the broadcast space and, and, and neil is too in his own way but eddie's been the, the bigger uh i think profile when it comes to saying stuff that he knows is going to have impact but yeah there, there were there were uses of the words uh liar weren't there and and I'm, i mean i'm paraphrasing the deeper conversation but it, it sounded it sounded really nasty and it read really nastily when 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 neil brought up the um, legacy issues of Eddie that he his um, errors over time that he's clearly obviously still sensitive about that was that was a, a sign that it was a genuine uh, dispute I would have thought. Mm. I mean they both. I suspect will... there's, there's 10-15% show showman in both their performances. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, um, I think it's actually in one way kind of um, refreshing that you can have a. Oh, good old honest dust up and say your bit and then still be able to work together the next week and get on with it. Yeah, there's that element of it. Um, but you wouldn't want to be going down that or falling down that well even fortnightly, would you? I wouldn't have thought. Because then it oh, doesn't be... become good radio, I, I don't think. And then, you, and then you end up with coffees and settle things and get on the same page and then it happens again over an issue and you know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> you, love the, you love the coffees. You love the coffees, don't you? The media, the media cycle, yeah. <laughs> when, when was your last coffee? The media cycle. No, ruled. Oh, I have a lot of coffee, as you know. I'm a cafe drinker, but my last coffee with anyone I've had to say anything about on television was yeah. a long, long, long time ago, Damo. Because <laughs> there's no point. You, you'll be you'll be proud of me. I'm 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 starting to eliminate them too, Hutchie. Yeah, they, no, they, 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 they don't serve any purpose, do they? They really don't. Coffees, coffees, and meetings. Yeah, I, I will. I will 
people want to meet, obviously you do, but but yeah, I don't. I, I'm sort of removing the need to patch up relationships over a coffee because they're either worth patching up or they're not. No, don't worry. And most of them are. Patch up coffee. <laughs> no go. Patch up coffee in media. And if you, someone, you said something about someone and they want to have a coffee and understand where you're coming from. <laughs> no. There's almost a whole show in that, the patch-up coffee, I reckon. Well, once again, patch actually, you've, you've produced your, your great phrase in the very closing minutes of our episode today. <laughs> so we might uh, we might actually focus on a patch-up coffee segment uh, in weeks to come. You've, you've heard we, – we talk about that a little bit at, at Footy Classified and I'm sure I won't mind me mentioning, but Matthew Lloyd about six years ago one week was critical of a club – and the next week, when we, the club came up in topic, he started defending them with what sounded like a bit of <laughs> knowledge. Because <laughs> Lloyd can do that, can't he? Can. Yeah. yeah. He said, I oh, know what you're fine with the stoppage of what they're trying to achieve is. And we got to the ad break, and I said, <laughs> You caught him you out. Had, you had a patch up coffee. You had a patch up coffee, didn't you? <laughs> and, and, and to his credit, he went, Well, yeah, he wanted to step me through. Like, and then I said, Lloyd And then. Again, he now refuses to have patch-up coffees. <laughs> it's, he's, cut, he's cut it from his repertoire. Yeah. Because I think you need to be able to call it as you see it, right? And you do get influenced oh. by your relationships. I see. Again, going back, I'm not going to ever reveal specifics. You, you can you can be blue with someone for three years or whatever. And then and then that's someone you just know is about to have a decision made on, on him or her by the club they're at. And, and they're not going to be there. But then in the last two weeks of that period, that you've somehow patched it up with them. And then the moment comes. Yep. And you probably should oh, be there God. to write critically, analytically, and you end up doing, oh, they had a good time. at <laughs> You are compromised with the patch-up coffee. I think if, if you're an opinionist, no patch-up nah, coffee. If, if you're, you're a journalist, yeah. If you're a journalist, I can mount an argument for some, you know, yeah. like key, you know, relationships that you once had that you need to preserve or. Yeah. But I think less less than people think. And you could spend all day doing the patch-ups. <laughs> We are going to talk about this, Jane. We'll, we'll, we'll flag this for a proper. And we'll, we'll, we'll give some uh, examples of the patch-up coffees, which have uh, been beneficial and, and usually not so beneficial. Hachi, uh, enjoy your remaining time in uh, NYC. When, when do we see you back? I've, I've had some patch-up coffees where they were predicted to be so hostile that a broker had to come and mediate the patch-up coffees. Have you been in any mediated, yep. mediated patch-up coffees? Yeah, I have actually. Yes, I have. And and, and then the fact that that is in play before you even sit down means it's just not worth it because you're never going to get through that moment. It, not, not over the coffee anyway. No. And, and I, I, I know about. the one you're referring to, Hutchie. Will you, will you raise this one publicly next week or not? I think you're referring to the time that Glenn Archer had to mediate the Jake King patch-up coffee with me. Is that the one you're talking about? No, I wasn't actually. No, I was referring to a um, – it was a radio-related one that um, someone, yeah, brokered on your behalf and I, you didn't want to be there. And and I, and I know for a fact that it, the, the, the whole purpose of the uh, improved relationship component lasted about, I think, two hours after it. I think this – anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll raise the video off here. That's all right. You can, who was that? Well, David King was involved in a brokering – of sorts with you. Oh yes, on yeah, behalf no, of yeah, someone else. Right. We, let's talk. That was. We'll talk about that one. No, we. I think we have talked about that one. That's all right. We'll, we'll this, talk about this that has been the when, sounding... we do, when we do talk about the patch up coffee. This has been the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're going to have a patch up coffee, <laughs> choose to Drinkwise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise.